Welcome to the Club Dub Football Podcast. Where the only question is Does your team make it into the club? Can he get in? No, he cannot! Welcome back, gentlemen. Hey, Rob. Hey, Rob. Week 18 is in the books. Another regular season is in the books. And as much as I could really get quite down in the dumps about the fact that we're, what, eight months away from the next episode of Red Zone? That always feels like a a real kind of milestone in my NFL fandom when Red Zone is that far away. Um, The great news is we have a pretty exciting wildcard weekend ahead of us um, with a couple of really juicy ties, a couple that maybe seem a little bit of a formality based on the current condition and health of various squads and and maybe even a bit of form as well. But um, I thought week 18 in the end wasn't quite the super grandstand finish that we were expecting, but still delivered when it came to drama. What were your overall thoughts for the regular season that was 2022, gents? Yeah, it was a bit of an odd one, wasn't it, really? Because there were some games that just didn't really have that kind of bang and spark. Um, I mean, I'm certainly thinking the Dolphins game was dull. Um, and there was a fair six. few to- <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't wow. wasn't the most exciting. Um, 11-6. Oh, 11, yeah, the safety at the end. Yes, you're right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Heaven forbid we missed that. Um, the, the only reason I know that is because when the score flashed up on Red Zone and it was 11-6, on Sunday I said to Rob, why is it 11-6? And he had to remind <laughs> me that there was a safety. So that's the yeah. only reason I know. Yeah. The high point of excitement. Um, so, yeah, there was a few odd ones that were just a bit dull. Obviously, the Colts game was um, a giver as ever um, for a Colts fan this year. What a tremendous end to a tremendous season. Um, but, yeah, I just thought it was a bit of an odd one. I think it was it, it was kind of difficult because the playoffs were almost kind of sealed the week before in the sense that there was no material difference to who could get in or who was, you know, it wasn't a massive game changer. I get, you know, there was like the the Packers game and so forth, but equally a lot of the games depended on who else was going to win and lose and stuff. So it didn't really feel like it had that real playoff drama for some of those games. Um, yeah. But I still thought it was good. There was some, hella good plays still yeah. mixed in there so um so those although fewer and a bit more far between were still some tremendous plays yeah so amazing moments will come to an, and like you say Aldrin, not not dull but kind of went to form didn't it in a lot of ways i mean we talked yeah, about yeah. would the jags overcome the titans they did it, it kind of went as most people had expected um I suppose you had games like Washington upsetting the Cowboys, but like you said, those games didn't really have playoff implications as such. Um, JB, your thoughts? I mean, you have been waxing lyrical and saying remarkable things about 2022. How do you feel now the regular season is at an end? So I I think you are right to a degree. I don't think it was the blow away, the blow away bash for for the for the 2022 season 
especially in comparison to some of the weeks that we have had, because like I genuinely stick to the fact that I think this has been the most exciting, the most interesting season we've had in years. Um, but at the same time, I still think there was there was drama in in the in what we saw. There were still interesting games. There were still big moments to uh, to, to hit that, like some of which we're going to talk about. I'm sure. And you look at things like the the just the absolutely baffling Colts versus Texans game, where the Texans played to win, played themselves out of the number one pick, and then obviously it cost Lovey Smith his job and kind of this was one of the things that that the nfl media like nfl network were all over this on on the monday and just saying like what were you doing like you, you quite obviously you don't tank but you make it obvious that you're not trying oh you, you know you could they could quite comfortably have left it as it was nobody would have been bothered if they'd done a few run plays that didn't quite work out they didn't sling it down the field and they just took the what was it? 31, 29 loss. Like no yeah. shame in that end of the season. Great. First overall pick. Like, like I, I loved, I loved the game. I love the, like the game itself going for two to make sure that you won and not or to, to make sure you had the opportunity to win was, was a great call that I wish more coaches would make. Um, so I thought that was good. The Cowboys, like it's not even that they're, backing into the playoffs they is there a team going into the playoffs colder right now who knows maybe we're going to talk about it later um the ravens looked embarrassing that's always good for me i always like that and um well i mean how can it be a bad season when you know after a two and six start the uh, greatest head coach in the nfl today chalks up a 16th straight None, no defeat, no, no poor record season, you know? Not, not awkwardly, awkwardly worded at all. No, no. A, a non-losing season. Non-losing, that's the words I'm looking I'm does, just, I'm, does, I'm does still... not make for a, a great <laughs> stellar markup on, on Tomlin's season. I still think the Steelers are terrible, yeah. but nonetheless. I mean, I mean, let, let's Edge be honest, Aldrin... Aldrin right. would be our expert on really bad hey, teams. Hey, I know terrible I know. football. I've watched a lot of it. But it but oh. it's okay because Jeff Saturday definitely going to be a candidate for the job for yeah, reasons for the job. Yeah. So before we go into performances of the week, because we probably want to swing by a few places that have absolutely stolen the headlines, like Buffalo. Um, let me do the recap of the week that was week 18 in the NFL. So to take you through the scores, um, the AFC's number one seed and potential Super Bowl favourites looked every inch both of those things as the Kansas City Chiefs defeated the Las Vegas Raiders 31-13. The Titans could have been playing playoff football, but instead they're licking their wounds, having suffered a bit of a mauling at the hands of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are playoff band, winning 20 points to 16. The Buccaneers and the Falcons was an odd game, with the Bucks' business pretty much taken care of, despite a losing record, but the Falcons showed a bit of fight as they won their final game of the season at 30 points to 17. The Patriots came to play, but the day was all about the Bills in Buffalo as they won an emotional game 35-23 to to head into the playoffs themselves with a pretty fantastic 13-3 record. 
The Vikings may have been playing some of their backups in the second half, but they still looked a class above the Chicago Bears, who lost 29-13, with Chicago also picking up the first overall pick in the upcoming draft as a result. The Bengals, well, how on earth they remain competitive with so many injuries is beyond me, but the Bengals made them look incredibly ordinary. Themselves a great season, 12-4, and four, with a 27-16 win over Baltimore. The game we've just mentioned, the Texans had nothing to play for, but played for it anyway, and actually I was delighted to see professional footballers putting on a show. Great sense of pride, a season where they ended far better than they started, 32-31 winners over Indianapolis. The Jets and the Dolphins was probably the dictionary definition of underwhelming. Two teams with quarterback problems and it looked every inch an issue for both franchises in what ended up being an 11-6 point victory for Miami. The Panthers and the Saints, well they've had high points this season, but with the Panthers winning a narrow game 10 points to 7, both of those teams end with 7-10 and 10 records. The Browns had moments from Deshaun Watson that maybe suggest he could find his way back to something like his best, but it still wasn't enough against a very functional and workmanlike Pittsburgh team as they won at 28 points to 14. The Giants, well, they're certainly no embarrassment and go into the playoffs with the firepower to be competitive, but in a much improved season, they couldn't beat the NFC's best with the Philadelphia Eagles winning 22-16 to take the number one seeding on the NFC side of things. We've already mentioned the Cowboys putting up only six points, turning over the ball a host of times and being pretty dramatically dreadful, losing 26 points to six against Washington. The Chargers and the Broncos was one of those wild games where incredibly Denver were able to put up 31 points, but the Chargers still played well enough for the most part for me to believe they could be a threat when it comes to playoff football. The Rams and the Seahawks was odd in the sense that you feel the Seahawks are maybe not quite at their early season best and the Rams are starting to improve, but it was still Seattle who end up in the playoffs with a 19-16 win. The less said about the Cardinals in Arizona, the better. Cliff Kingsbury's on his way out after the team fell off a cliff, this game being evidence of that, a 38-13 loss. And in a game the Packers had to win, they simply didn't. The Lions put up a good show, winning 20 points to 16, with neither of them moving on to postseason football. So there was your roundup. And before I let you guys give me your moments from Week 18, um, I have to put out there this week's no Google all noodle question, and it's got a kind of playoff angle. Um, the 49ers absolutely steamrolling their way into the playoffs means that Brock Purdy could yet be the first rookie quarterback to win the Super Bowl. But what I would like to know is Mr. Irrelevant, the second highest passer rating for a quarterback in their first five starts. So if Brock Purdy is second, I want to know who's first. And I'm going to give you a clue. Brock Purdy may have been drafted Mr. Irrelevant. The person ahead of Brock Purdy with the best passer rating through their first five starts actually went undrafted before heading into the NFL. So there it is. Who is the quarterback with a better passer rating through their first five starts in the NFL than Brock Purdy. I'll come back to you for your answers later. But for now, um, moments that made week 18. Aldrin, why don't you kick us off? I mean, I don't want to dwell on it loads because I want to talk about this team, but I think the Bills' kickoff return 
was the moment of the week, regardless of what team you supported or, or whatever you wanted to look forward to that week, because that was exactly to script. And by script, I'm talking America's games type script with the DeMar Hamlin situation. And I guess on a really positive note, just to talk about it is today he's out of hospital and he's heading back to Buffalo or he's back in Buffalo now, I think. Um, So that's really great news. But yeah, that kickoff return, just watching that crowd go absolutely bonkers with a kickoff return was, um, was certainly a sight to see. And then, he went and did it again later in the game with a 101 yarder. So I just think you can't write that sort of game script and that just as a moment in isolation of the game even was, um, was, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. It really felt like therapy, didn't it? You know, so many people releasing so much emotion in one of those shared moments. And I love Josh Allen afterwards where he was like, because that was their first kickoff return for a touchdown yeah. in three years and three months. And there was all this yeah. synergy around DeMar Hamlin's number. But yeah, I thought it was a great moment and also a great performance from Buffalo. Like you said, we'll, we'll come around and talk about them quite a bit later on. But I thought in the circumstances with all of that emotion, not an easy game for New England to play in either. No, tough, but I, tough I thought opponent. Both, both teams came to play. I mean, I thought New England applied themselves pretty well. Mac Jones had some good drives. He also did a few... Can you, can you call them typical Mac Jones things yet? I think you can at this point. In. I think maybe yeah. you can. Um, but yeah, I just thought in the second half, it was a great performance, particularly from them. But that moment will yeah. be the one that, that yeah. W- whether or not it goes on to be an America's game moment, should the Bills win the Super Bowl, I don't know. But I think it's a it's enough of a moment anyway to probably write itself into yeah. the annals of NFL history. Totally. JB, your Week 18 moment. If this has to do with Mike Tomlin... You're going to have to pick another one. Um, I, honestly, all I had written down was Naomi Hines and the Bills. That that was, it, it wasn't just, it wasn't just it being the perfect start to the game. You're like, how are the Bills going to cope? How are the Bills going to get going? Well, that's how the Bills are going to get going. But it was the second one. It was the 101 yards when the Patriots have taken the lead for the first time. And it just absolutely, like, Special teams is a is a team, obviously, in itself. It isn't just the returner. It is the blocking. It is everything. And it really did feel like everybody on that special teams unit were like, okay, we'll shoulder, we'll shoulder it again. And once they did that, again, you got a little glimpse of, of what you felt kind of the bills were at the start of the season. Um, I think the only other thing I think I had written down was the Lions and the Packers game. And Kirby Joseph being the first player to pick Aaron Rodgers off three times in a season, which feels like a bonkers stat. But then you think about how careful Aaron Rodgers is with the ball, like usually. And that kind of being a stat that someone like he can, I'm going to say hang his hat on that, but that's a stat that he's going to have that like, you're never going to be able to take that away from him. Like the first person to pick off one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Um, and then kind of the aftermath of that Packers loss where Roger, you know, didn't want the cameras on them as they were going back in. He's walking back to the locker room with Randall Cobb and it definitely had that air of finality about it. 
like e- even Rogers being like, you know, the the question like, would you consider going and playing somewhere else? And kind of he didn't say no and he didn't say yes. But if you look at his body language, he was definitely saying, I wouldn't want to go and play anywhere else. So that that'll be an interesting thing for us to talk about for weeks in the off season. Yeah, if the rumour mill is to be believed, like say no player will pick off um, Rogers three times in a season ever again. Um, an odd end, an, an odd end if that's how it does finish um, for Rogers and the Packers, but um, an absolutely stellar career and a, a ring on his finger and there are plenty of stellar players who don't even get one. So yeah, lots to like. Um and I think, you know, Aldrin, you summed it up before I'd done the scoring recap. It was a week of moments, even though some of the games maybe weren't phenomenal. But um, but yeah, I think the moment that I would want to just pick out is that Geno Smith has led the Seattle Seahawks to the playoffs, not only in what I thought going into this season was an incredibly competitive division, um, but I think it just you know, absolutely proves me wrong on probably every level. I thought Geno Smith was not good enough um, at the NFL level. He has absolutely proved me wrong. I thought it was odd that they were letting Pete Carroll continue to steer the ship um, at his age and with what I thought was an obvious rebuild. But you know what? What do I know? Um, If you'd have told me that the Rams would have, what is this, the worst record for a defending Super Bowl champion in history, or certainly for a very long time. I don't know what the last couple of weeks did to that stat. But um, if you'd have told me the NFC West would have played out like that, not only would I not have believed you, I'm not even sure I believe it now. But yeah, let's see how far this Seattle journey goes. But for me, Geno Smith and the Seahawks as a whole, I think it very much is a team effort, um, definitely worthy of mention. So those would be mine. Um in a little See, it's, bit, it's, I'll just say it's very interesting that you bring up the Seahawks here because long-term listeners of the Club Dub Football Podcast will be aware of our penchants for bread-based betting and the fact that at the beginning of the kind of the off-season there was a very heated discussion around the Denver Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks and who would win the Russell Wilson trade. And there were two out of the three of us that were very passionate that this was a clear win for Denver. And there was one of us that was very aware of the fact that without the Seahawks, sorry, without Russell Wilson holding the Seahawks back, they would fly to new heights to the degree that a bet was made that the Seattle Seahawks will have a better record end of the 22 season than the Denver Broncos. And I just want to take just a moment just to say I was right. Well, I'm very pleased for you, JB. Um, I only have two quick points to make. One is that I actually think Russell Wilson has looked better since Nathaniel Hackett was moved out. So I I still think there's a bit of hope in Denver because I think he's certainly looked better since. And the second thing is that sandwich you have just won is going to be near immediately lost because Zach Wilson is not taking the New York Jets to the playoffs. And um, for as much as that... You say immediately. I said in four seasons. So I've got three more years to hold it couple of days. I think you've got a (laughs) couple more years of him being a car salesman until it it all comes crashing down. I think when he gets released in a few days by... um, 
New York's green franchise, I'm not sure we'll need to wait many more years in order to uh, take those winnings. But um, but yeah, and as I have said every time you have won a bread-based wager, James, uh, just count all the many sandwiches you have had in my homestead over the years, and I think I, I'm still all right. I'm, I'm feeling that that's... Oh, just, you, you just, right. you, just you wait until Trey Lance makes a miraculous recovery and wins Super Bowl MVP. Then you'll be <laughs> yeah. laughing. Yeah, all, all of the... Well, yeah, all from picking the 49ers as his outside shot for the Super Bowl. They're the best team favorite. in the NFL. Well, they kind of were when you made them your outlandish prediction. So, um, not really. Yeah. They were not. They'd lost in the NFC Championship game the season before. Yeah, <laughs> but like, they were getting them. rid of Jimmy G. They were right, moving to a right. rookie quarterback. They didn't okay, have Christian okay. McCaffrey. We, we let you off. Yes, they didn't have McCaffrey at the time. That's fair. We'll, we'll let you off. Um, so, um, so, yes, congratulations to the Seattle Seahawks. And Geno Smith, who I think has looked um, far better than serviceable, I think has looked really good with the ball. And I think they're just a very well-drilled team, the way I'd probably consider the likes of Baltimore, um, Pittsburgh, if you want to make that. I, I think they're coached up as a group of players, and I think well done to, to all of that coaching team and playing staff for not only proving me wrong, but I think probably a lot of NFL fans. So that would be my, my moment from Week 18. So before we get into uh, Games of the Week, and what we're going to um, do is pick out a game each for you two guys as we move forward and two teams to put in Club Dub this week. Um, just a bit of a quick mention about coaching news, because I know we haven't got new coaches in place yet, so we'll probably save this kind of lengthy discussion for next week's pod. But um, how do you feel about the sackings and what's gone on over the last few days? As expected, underwhelming, overwhelming, good decisions, bad decisions. Aldrin, where do you sit with it all? Um, I think a lot were expected. I mean, regardless of whether Lovey Smith had won or lost the final game of the season, I thought he was out. I think the Texans are just utterly rudderless. But ultimately, I never kind of got the sense that Lovey Smith was the guy for the long term, much the same way that I didn't think the guy they had the year before was going to be. So it it's always felt a bit of a mess at the Texans, and I'm not massively surprised. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the one I am surprised at, and we've kind of talked about it separately, is the Raiders and McDaniels, I just think, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, I think. Yeah. The fact that they seem more willing to sacrifice a pretty decent quarterback, you know, I don't think there's particularly where they're going to draft and the cap space that they have. I can't see them getting a much better quarterback than Derek Carr, if at all. Um, so I don't know. And and people say, oh, yeah, Jarrett Stidham's looks all right in two starts. But Mike White looked good in two starts. And that doesn't make a, yeah. a franchise quarterback for the long term of a of a franchise that's just traded away the best part of its draft capital for uh, a, a stellar wide receiver. So yeah. I don't know. I just feel like they're a mess because there's nothing that this year has, that I've seen this year that suggests that McDaniels is a, a quality head coach material. The amount of games that they've lost in the last four minutes you know, they jump out to big leads, which is not Derek Carr's fault. The fact yeah. that they just give away defensive points and just are all over the shop. I don't think you can blame that on on Derek Carr. So, you know, that's coaching. You know, that's game management. That's not 
on a quarterback because if you're in the lead and you're trying to close out games, A, the quarterback shouldn't be doing a whole heap of a lot other than handing it off to one of the best running backs in the league, who, by the way, it looks like they're either going to let walk or have to franchise tag because they wouldn't pick up his fifth year option last year, which was bizarre anyway. Um, so I think for me, yeah, it's it's more of a surprise that he's still got a job. I think um who's the other bizarre one? Or oh, that seems like it it has to change. Um who who's the New England offensive coordinator that isn't offensive coordinator? Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia. Matt, yeah. Well it's Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's like two clowns Double in a up tiny it's like two clowns in a tiny car. I don't get it. It's just that seems bizarre. I mean, equally, I think I said right from the outset, I don't massively rate Mac Jones, but equally, if you're giving him two defensive coordinators as <laughs> offensive coordinators and asking him to just go and run slants 50 times a game, I don't really know what you expect from him. So I don't think they're giving him a great chance, but I mean that, I don't know. I've, I've long thought the whole structure and organization at New England, I don't know. It doesn't, it seems odd to me mm. just how stuck it seems to be and it, it never it doesn't seem to move forward um and that's not to say they're not still an incredibly good franchise but i don't know it feels like it needs a bit of a shake-up at the minute they seem a bit stuck they went um, into sunday with destiny in their own hands albeit you know on the road against a phenomenally talented buffalo team uh, i think your point about the coordinator issue in new england is, is valid i think it was an interesting way to go I mean, judges, I mean, even if you, you air towards his special, team, uh, special teams coordinator experience, didn't really feel like a perfect no. offensive fit. No. Patricia certainly doesn't. Um, but, yeah, I'm surprised about a few. I mean, I wasn't surprised Kingsbury um, went from the Cardinals. It, it nope. felt like the wheels had fallen off. And, and it also feels with Steve Keim going as well and all of the problems they had when they were in Mexico – there's some dysfunction in that franchise again, you know, and our, I've lived through yeah. feels like lifetimes of, of dysfunction in Arizona. And, and before that, even when they were the Phoenix Cardinals for a year, and then even in St. Louis to an extent, but the, the weird one for me um, is the Chicago bears. Um, they are picking first overall for what is it? The first time in 50 years, is that right? It's some kind of crazy stat like that, isn't yeah. it? First, first, first time, time since nineteen forty-seven. Well, there you go. First yeah. time in well, crikey, what's that? Seventy-five years. years. Um, I just think that is just a really poor show. Um, Do you know to- what the weird thing was? Though I saw an interview today, and he wasn't uh, the GM. I forget his name, but he wasn't ruling out going for a quarterback. He was like, Oh, I'd have to be wowed. And I was thinking literally the only bright spot in your team was Justin Fields play this season. And I think the fact that you surround him with cast offs from other franchise uh, as third receivers that are now the only receivers that he's throwing to, I mean, what do you want from the kids? I mean, the fact that he elevated his play from year one to what he put in year two was sensational but yeah i mean they're a weird franchise again i mean it, it's odd when you get general managers and head coaches talking like that particularly when i think fields is probably the only reason they're both still in a job you know and I mean, also the I only think... reason that anybody would want to go to that franchise next and, year and i mean they talked about um you know the fact that they obviously traded away defensive talent through the year and i get that 
but they still have um, a deeper roster in Chicago than Houston, potentially Indianapolis, maybe Arizona. I think Arizona are the other, you know, glaring kind of failure in that that group. But I, I just think to have the first overall pick for your franchise is an embarrassment. I know it comes with a certain level of fan excitement, but to be the worst team out of 32 in the NFL with that roster is, um, yeah, is is astounding to me that, that he's kept his job. I think we talked before podding. Arthur Smith, I thought, was maybe on the hot seat. It seems not. I'm glad Dennis Allen has been retained by the Saints. Um, but, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Raiders would be the other head scratcher for me, maybe. But, um JB, what did you think of the news? What was your response to the coaches who went and maybe some of the coaches who didn't? To me, I think the most obvious coaches that went had already gone. I yeah. think Matt Matt Rule in Carolina, especially with the job Steve Wilkes then did afterwards, was was like you would couldn't have anything more guaranteed. Nathaniel Hackett going was obvious as well. I think unlike you. Josh McDaniels going in in Las Vegas would have made sense, but I think the sacrifice of Derek Carr is probably what has given one more shot at it. Um, Arthur Smith in Atlanta like does absolutely nothing for me like at all. That's not an exciting team, so I, I can't see them there. You also kind of think the the New England discussion needs to be had because this was very much a season of yeah the Patriots finished what eight and nine the Patriots finished a win away from the playoffs but never felt convincing to me at all never felt like that old Patriots never looked like they were gonna make the playoffs did they no and you look you look at that team and you think like where's where's the spark going to come from like we we talked a bit about like the bills we've talked at various points that you can see like players just take the game over and you just look and think the most memorable things about this new england patriot season are the patriots fan base completely turning on mac jones and continually calling for bailey zappy and um was it was it jacoby myers to chant chandler jones for the Raiders. Yeah. Like, yeah. The best play of the season. Yeah. That was one of the best plays of the season. And when that's the, the overriding memory of a Bill Belichick team, you got to look and think, okay, he is undoubtedly the greatest coach of all time, but have we reached the point where just the Patriots way just isn't going to work anymore? So that's, that's something to monitor. I do, th- I, I do agree with that. They still seem to have the mindset with the players that they bring in that they have Tom Brady. Like they bring in, you know, not the best receivers and expect their play to be elevated. You know, like an Edelman or or players of the past where, or, yeah. you, where, you know, you had these middling average players, not from big schools, not from big programs that, Brady could work with and elevate and improve and they don't have Brady anymore yet they still seem to be picking up these average playmakers and hoping that somehow they're going to click and Mac Jones isn't that quarterback and they're not that team anymore but I'd still say on paper is that roster night and day better than the Bears for example 
So, I mean, I think to be where they are, I don't think there's any shame in that. I thought Hunter Henry looked good down the stretch. I think he's starting to look, if he can stay healthy, he, he's starting to look like he could be somebody that, if there are pieces added around him, could be a difference maker. But the big thing for me with the um, the Patriots, really, is they don't really draft that well, do they? I mean, they had some bizarre no. picks. You had the the famous Sean McVay laughing video. <laughs> you know, from last year. I mean, I, I just wonder, can they bring in the type of talent that gives them another shout? Because I, I don't doubt the coaching of Belichick particularly. But yeah, some interesting stuff. And like I say, we'll, we'll delve into this more next week when we start to get a sense of who maybe new coaches are and maybe even some GMs that are finding themselves in um, new surroundings. So yeah, we'll break that down a little more next week. But for now, then, let's throw ourselves forward to wildcard weekend. There are some absolutely brilliant ties going on. Um, but, Aldrin, why don't you kick us off with your game of the week and talk to us about which of these two teams needs to end up in club dub. So my pick this week is a team we've touched on a little bit, but it is the Dolphins against the Bills. Um, and I think, I don't know, maybe if you went back to week 15, and you looked at the play from there, you would say that these are two of the best teams in the league. And this is absolutely the best, most stellar matchup that you're going to see this weekend. And I think it's still got that potential, but it really, really depends on who the Dolphins have under centre. Because I think if they have Skylar Thompson, like they did the other at the weekend, then the Bills are going to absolutely cruise it because he looked rubbish. <laughs> um, bar a few half-decent plays, I mean, he looked well short of the required standard. I think Teddy Bridgewater is dealing with, was it a dislocated or a broken finger on his throwing hand, but was fit or healthy enough to back up Thompson at the weekend. So you've got the potential there that he could come in and play um, against the bills. If he kind of carries on improving and then you've got their all-star franchise quarterback to a tongue who is still not cleared from concussion protocol that he entered. What are we at two weeks ago now? So Monday before last, um, after the game so obviously he finished that full game and then the monday after entered concussion protocol and has not been cleared yet and i guess the big concern for me and i, I kind of mentioned it you know a couple of weeks ago is more his long-term career because this is the third pretty serious concussion of the year um and they don't get easier and better to recover from you know the more you get the worse it gets um so I think that's a big concern. But right now it looks like Tua is out of the game and it's going to be between Thompson and and Bridgewater who can take to the field. Now, obviously, the Dolphins have exceptional talent playmakers in their team. So I think, you know, Hill and Waddle are arguably, and you could make a case for the two best tandem of of wide receivers in the league because i think not only their hands and their playmaking ability but both have got absolutely blistering speed i mean i think to a couple of weeks ago where i watched Jalen waddle just 
sprint away from defenders that are not slow. Um, and he looked exceptional. So, you know, they've got all the tools at wide receiver. I think their running back room is better than you might think. You know, they've got two former 49er running backs in in and around there, and both Mostert, have looked good. Mostert and Wilson look brilliant. Yeah, yeah I'd probably yeah, say they look as good a tandem as there is. Maybe Dallas ahead of them in my book, but not many ahead of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would totally agree. 49ers as well, I suppose. Logic dictates. 49ers, I think they've, got, they've left, not got a bad unit. They're probably top um, five. Yeah, oh, yeah, as a tandem, certainly I would have them in there. And I think that's exactly the thing, that they've got real talented playmakers. The key for them is going to be getting them on the ball. Um, and again, that comes down to what quarterback is is playing. On the other side, the Bills, obviously we talked about those incredible kick returns and that played a big part in the game because it was pretty close. You know, it was a pretty back and forth affair after that, you know, stellar start, you know, the Patriots pretty much just marched down the field and got a touchdown. You know, it wasn't like there was a a long period of Bill's dominance. It was very back and forth throughout. Um, And when I mentioned um, the week 15 game, it wasn't by accident because that was the last time that the bills played the dolphins and the bills obviously won that game but it was close it came down to a field goal but that was with Tua Tungavailoa under center and the last few games from the dolphins have been really poor you know they kind of stumbled into the postseason almost after having leapt out to um i guess what we would have called probably the best team in in the nfl for a, a period they looked unbeatable um, and that kind of mystique has gone away. So I I don't maybe expect it to be as close as that week 15 game. I do think that the Dolphins have got an incredible coach who can be creative with plays. I think the only problem is, is the limit with, with the quarterback that he has. I think on the Bill side, again, I love the coaching staff and I think they're on this real good feel good high at the minute. It feels like I know, you know, uh, I think two weeks ago, gosh, it was a, it's a hell of a different story, but I think the trajectory for them has been all on the up, which has kind of mirrored DeMar Hamlin's health and recovery, which we're all thrilled to bits about. But I think like I mentioned earlier, it does kind of have this, America's game feel it's those kind of moments and these kind of games that can that can define those America's games you know it's these big moments where they have to come up tough and they fight adversity and they get through and and certainly the Bills feel like they've done that and and do you know what I think at the weekend Diggs looked as good as ever I, I think the the receiving core around Diggs He's massively underrated. You know, I think Gabe Davis is a brilliant receiver and so McKenzie fast. as well yeah, looks incredible. Dawson Knox is a really good, reliable tight end. Um, and again, the running back room isn't that bad. You know, I know that they're not um, maybe as stellar as you might hope, but certainly I think Singletary's a good running back and James Cook has taken on more of a role the last five or six weeks and looked, you know, every bit an NFL running back. So I think they've got all the tools there. And I think that defense will be playing for Hamlin and not only that, but I think 
they're just good. You know, I think mm. Poya um, and others just uh, are totally dominant. And Matt Milano again got a, did he get an interception at the to, weekend? You've got to mention Matt Milano. He he, he remains just, the wrecking ball when it comes and to I, I think, in the NFL. You know, he's the sort of player that you love, Rob. You know, he's just yeah. everywhere. He's involved in yeah. everything, and he's just dominant sideline to sideline. So, I mean, yeah, for me. I maybe don't expect it to be as close as week 15 because I do feel like the form of the Dolphins has taken a nosedive without Tua. I don't yeah. expect Tua to play. And I think without him, they just don't give themselves enough of a chance by keeping it close. I mean, I can't see a way that Buffalo don't win the game. However, let's make an argument for Miami. One of the things I will say is, yes, they looked... I mean, so disjointed at times on Sunday. But the Jets' defense is a good defense. As much as we've just said the oh, Bills' oh, defense yeah. is good. You yeah, know, they were up against a good defense in New York. So, you know, another week of first-team reps. You know, if even if it's Skyler at quarterback, if, I mean, let's call it nine points. I know it ended up being 11, but that was with a bit of end of game. You know, if they're able to keep the Dolphins as quiet as New York did. I think Buffalo will have done very well. You know, I actually thought the Jets defense played really well and also belie their status, don't they? One of the reasons their stat lines don't look great is they're always on the field. You know, we know that at times New York haven't had a particularly good functioning offense. But yeah, so Buffalo would need to have an off day. Miami definitely have a better chance of winning if the game remains low scoring. Um. But also the other thing is I think it will come down to how effective that Miami passing game can be, not to whether Miami win, but to whether Miami can just make it um, competitive because I think you need enough of a run game, uh, sorry, enough of a passing game to allow the run game to function. Yeah, if they end up one-dimensional, then I think you, you could see most teams, let alone a, a defensive unit as good as Buffalo, kind of take any threat away. But um, yeah, pity. Because, you know, when the week 15 game went off, there was all this, you know, we expect to see them again in the postseason. And I kind of feel like it'll be a bit anticlimactic if it, if it does just go to script without Tua. And what we do see is a rampant Buffalo beating a toothless Miami. I'm not sure Dolphins have teeth. I've mixed my metaphors there, haven't I? But you know what I mean? JB, your thoughts? I think from a Dolphins point of view, Aldrin came right out of the gate with what the biggest issue for the Dolphins is. It's who's under center who is going to be leading that offense because depending on who the starting quarterback or who ends up playing quarterback for the majority of the game for the Dolphins this could go from a close game that the one team takes by a score to a game that the Dolphins lose by 70 points um you absolutely have to be able to keep up with the bills because like, like the Patriots found out last weekend, like so many teams have found out if you give the bills a little bit of daylight, they have players in all three levels of the game, offense, defense, and special teams to punish you for it. And we have like, when the bills have been on, 
they have looked light years ahead of everybody else. I think they've they've stumbled in games that they shouldn't have, but I think that's an accusation we can make against so many teams. Like we again to go back to my Steelers because I'm in happy mood about them. It's it's one of the main criticisms about Mike Tomlin playing down to the opposition. So you can't blame them for that. But at the same time, the flashes of potential that they've got and this just this teased potential of what we've got in front of us of a Bills Chiefs AFC championship game looks incredible. Whereas this game would look have looked so much better at the the halfway point of the season. I think since the injury issues with Tua started, you've seen the Dolphins kind of slide and like like say back into the playoffs almost. And you can't necessarily blame them. Injuries are injuries. It's unfortunate that they lost their starting quarterback. It's unfortunate that they lost their backup quarterback and they're having to go to, um, to Skylar Thompson, kind of the rookie for it. But another team who we're going to talk about shortly also had those problems and that hasn't really held them back. So to a point there is, okay, unfortunate things have happened. Dolphins, you need to get on with it because even taking the DeMar Hamlin situation out of what happened to the Bills, you think about the the game that had to be moved to Detroit because of the weather. You think about how, was it Dawson Knox's dad passed away right before the beginning of the season? You look at um, what two a game where two separate players had to essentially be stretched off the game, one of whom is Micah Hyde, who didn't come back and he was the one that DeMar Hamlin ended up replacing. Like teams have had unfortunate things. The Bills have had a lot of bad luck happen to them this year and they keep going. And I don't want to curse them. I don't want to get my, my hopes up for everything, but this feels an awful lot like, like borrowing from Thanos in, in the MCU. This awful feels like the Bills are inevitability. I think that's fair. I mean, I said it earlier, I can't see anything other than um, really a Buffalo win. I mean, however I try and paint it, I think even if two was to come back, you know, having been out for a few weeks, I don't know. I think too much is stacked against them, but I do think it's a pity. I think there was a time where they were probably playing as well as the best teams in the NFL. I now think Miami are a long way behind and, and even Buffalo, I'd, I'd maybe say the Chiefs are playing slightly better football. Maybe the 49ers are playing slightly better football than the Eagles as well. But um, but on any given Sunday, you know, anything could happen in the NFL. So, Aldrin, it is over to you. Reasons and a team, please. May we be in for a massive shock here? Who knows? Um, I'm not going to shock you. This week, I think the lack of a top tier quarterback on the Dolphins side really hampers their ability to win the game. And like you said, Rob, just maintain that aerial threat to get the run game going. You know, they didn't have it at the weekend and they stuttered and stumbled. Yeah, the Jets defense is good, but ultimately, you know, three kicks and a a last minute safety isn't going to cut the mustard against the Bills. Um, So, yeah. This week, I'm putting Josh Allen's Buffalo Bills into Club Dirt. So, 
before I let you go um, into your game of the week, JB, we do have a small bit of business. And this is just in case Mrs. Knox is listening. Dawson Knox's father is alive and well, so we should probably make that clear to, to, to Walker. His brother uh, passed away earlier in the season. I think you're right about the types of adversity Buffalo have had. Um, I think the average NFL fan, you know, the average neutral, if such a thing exists, only wants the best for Buffalo. Franchise who've been due success for a long time. So, yeah, let's see how that goes. So, one game down, one to go. JB, where are you taking us for your wildcard weekend game? Uh, we are going to, I think it is the beautiful state of California to talk about the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks and a tale of two seasons. Because on the one hand, if you had at the start of the season said to the Seahawks, Geno Smith is going to have statistically his best season ever. He's going to have a season where he plays at times like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And he leads your Seattle Seahawks to the playoffs. They probably would have accused you of taking a variety of mind expanding substances. Um, Whereas you'd tell a 49ers fan. Okay. So you've got your new franchise quarterback in Trey Lance. You've got Jimmy G as the backup. We've got bad news for you. Trey Lance is going to get injured quite early on in the season, but don't worry. You've got Jimmy G who's led you to a Super Bowl before up until he also gets injured and you lose him for the season. But don't worry. You're going to play Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, your third string backup quarterback. And in all honesty, he's going to play better than Jimmy G and Trey Lance have played this season. And you are going to go into the playoffs probably as the favorite and the most dangerous team in the NFC. And again, they they wouldn't believe it. So there is there is such a great narrative around this game. But also it's very it's very interesting because although it's not like the NFC championship game, obviously there's there's a way before we get to that. This Seattle versus the 49ers in the playoffs kind of takes us back to those Pete Carroll versus Jim Harbaugh, Russell Wilson versus Colin Kaepernick, the Legion of Boom kind of days. And it's strange because it's two teams that are so different from those from like uh, 10 years ago really is when we were starting to talk about those kinds of battles and you look at how both teams have evolved Seattle going away from that dominant defense and that not necessarily that heavy reliance on the run game but more spreading it out and having a you know a backfield of competitors led by a quarterback who's a bit more of a pocket passer like Gino can use his legs but he's not the is not the creative whirlwind that we saw of Russell Wilson in those Seattle Seahawks days. Whereas the 49ers have just gone bombs away on absolutely everything. Like we talk about this season alone, not just the creative things they've managed to do with like Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and George Kittle, but then bringing a Christian McCaffrey who to a lot of people, I think looked like he was, he was done. He was cooked after too many bad years in, in Carolina, but then just seemed to come back to life, just seemed to 
not even reinvent himself, just really show, actually, you know what? Run CMC is still in here. And now I'm in the right organization to be able to show that. And just Brock Purdy is a revelation. Like, I think we are well past the, oh, he's very good. Oh, you know, he's got potential or everything like that. We said that after a game. We said that after two. We said that after three. At some point now, we have to sit up and acknowledge, actually, you know what? This has got to be a combination of Kyle Shanahan doing incredible things with the team that he's got and Brock Purdy actually being a heck of a lot better than anybody thought he was. Um so it's it's kind of exciting. It's one of those it's one of these games where you kind of look at this and kind of think this is the opportunity for the Seahawks to play spoiler, whereas this is the opportunity to the for the 49ers to really stamp their authority on these playoffs because the, yeah, the Eagles got Jalen Hurts back and they looked better, but those two two games they lost with Gardner Minshew kind of affected them a little bit. The Cowboys are the worst looking team going into the playoffs based on that game against the Commanders. And outside of that, you've got to think, well, this is they, those were the competition. They were the teams that everybody was talking about. Yeah, okay, the Vikings are also present. But again, to borrow kind of like what I talked about with the, the Dolphins and to borrow something that Peter Schrager said in Good Morning Football this week, the Vikings playoffs is either going to be the Vikings win four playoff games by a grand total of five points or they get absolutely blown out because, and there doesn't appear to be a middle ground between it. It feels like it's going to go one of those two ways. Whereas the 49ers especially really, really look like a team of promise. And I have to, you know, no tip my imaginary cap here to my learned colleague who rightly pointed out how unlikely it is that we'd be talking about the 49ers as Super Bowl favorites. I'll take a bow. I think you've summed up a few things for me. I mean, on paper, it looks probably about as predictable as the first couple of playoff weekends can look because I think the teams who are at the the top of the, the, the stat sheets and have the best records in the regular season still look probably the strongest um, teams in each conference. I think I said Bills probably a close second to the Chiefs AFC. I think, you know, like you said, Philadelphia Eagles, even though they haven't looked quite as dominant as they did earlier in the year, probably a close second to the 49ers. Um, much like the game we just described, Miami against Buffalo, I think this could end up being incredibly one-sided. Um, you know, injuries change games. I'm not sure how good the fourth string quarterback would be in San Francisco. But do you know what? I think it's it's more a case of, you talked about the reinvention of Christian McCaffrey. I think it's actually just a head coach who understands how to put game-changing talents in the position to change games. You see it actually on the defensive side of the ball as well and what they've been able to do with, I mean, Bosa is always the name that immediately springs to mind, but actually there's four or five kind of players in that defensive unit that can all take a game away from an opposition. Um, it was great to see how well Armstead played. I mean, there's a whole host of them. But yeah, for me, as good as Seattle are, they're not in that great category. I think for a good team, they've had a great season, but I think the 49ers are a great team. And to come all the way back to your first point, yeah, I 
cannot see how Brock Purdy cannot be a starter in this league moving forward with what he's managed to do in the last, what, five, six games. I think he has been sensational. So, yeah, and all your major points, I'm with you. I'm a really big fan of what's been done in Seattle. But what Shanahan does is just other level. I mean, Shanahan and Andy Reid, um, bizarrely, are just two of the most creative offensive minds I think this league has ever and potentially will ever see. So, um, yeah, my money's probably on a 49ers Chiefs Super Bowl again at the moment. Um, and I certainly think they've got enough to get past the Seahawks. <clears throat> yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think the only thing with Gino is obviously he's got experience. He's not a rookie quarterback. The The situation probably isn't going to overawe him. But on the flip side, since the bye week, he's not been as... He's not looked as good as he did in the early part of the season. You know, he's, sorry, he's been less consistent. I think he's thrown way more picks to way less touchdowns um, and still look good. Like, do not get me wrong. The guy has managed to get them to a playoffs, which like you said, Rob, 18 weeks ago, I would have said, this is the worst franchise in football. They're headed for the toilet this year. And actually, in every facet, they've kind of gone way above and beyond my expectation, not least Geno Smith. Um, but I do think he's just not been as strong the last few weeks. Um, Purdy, on the other hand, just looks like he's going from strength to strength. I think, you know, the the thing with the 49ers is they just keep rolling. You know, I think Ayuk's looked great and has really stepped up, particularly when they've not had Debo. Um, as has CMC, I think that guy is just, I mean, he was just made for a Kyle Shanahan offense, really. He's the, the ideal sort of player that he wants. And my goodness, are they making the most of him? Um, and that defense is just so tough, so tough. They're good in every phase of the game. And yeah, I think it it's not impossible because the Seahawks have defied the impossible plenty this year, not least by making it to the playoffs with Geno Smith at the helm and Pete Carroll still in a job and redoing a franchise again at his age. But I do think it's a real tall order for a team that have got so much confidence, probably the best looking team going into the playoffs. I know the Chiefs have played well, but not exceptional, you know, not vintage Chiefs. Whereas the 49ers just seem to be building and building. So um, I think they're in such a good spot at the moment. Incredible to have gone this far and not mention George Kittle, who actually was a massive difference maker in the last couple of weeks. I mean, you could just keep going, couldn't you? I mean, like I said, the 49ers are just not short of superstars, least not their third string quarterback. Um, I will mention really quickly um, DK Metcalf, who I was really down on at the start of the season as well. I mean, he's just about tipped a thousand yard season um, down on touchdowns this year with six. But actually, I'm not necessarily seeing that as a bad thing, because offensively, I think there has been more going on with Seattle and just everything having to go through Metcalf. So actually even that doesn't necessarily well they've had a um, run game suggest it's a problem. Yeah, they've had a much better run game, haven't they? Um so yeah, I I give the Seahawks a chance. 
but only a chance. But that is more a compliment to the 49ers, I think, than any um, any negative comment on Seattle. But anyway, JB, it's not my game, it's yours. Who's going beyond the velvet rope into Club Dub and why, please? There is the possibility that this is going to be a banana peel game, but I feel more confident in the stronger feeling that this is going to be the Harlem Globetrotters versus the Washington Generals. And we will welcome James Aldrin's favourite, the San Francisco 49ers, into Club Dub. The best piece of music in podcasting. And it's the Buffalo Bills and the San Francisco 49ers in Club Dub. That would be a Super Bowl. I wouldn't mind seeing as well. There are some mouth-watering ties, no doubt about it. Um, when we were talking pre-pod about games we might talk about, I actually think probably the most competitive game of the week could end up being the Jags against the Chargers. I think that's a coin flip, and I think whichever one of those teams wins, that's a great story that starts to build in their own development. And um, yeah, I think two head coaches who are really starting to get things together with those respective um, football clubs. So yeah, lots of nice things going on. Lots of exciting things, even if for the three of us, we kiss our own teams goodbye for another year and just have the draft to look forward to. So loads of great games, two teams in club dub. It's now time to round out what has been a super podcast with really the usual any other business. So before we get to our pick and all of those different elements, let's come back to what is the toughest quiz question in podcasting. No Google, all noodle. I asked you, Brock Purdy has the second best passer rating for any quarterback in NFL history through his first five games. Would you be surprised to know that even though he is Mr. Irrelevant, the person with the best statistical passer rating through their first five career games was actually undrafted? Gentlemen, who do you think that quarterback is? Um, Aldrin, I'm going to come to you first because you seemed somewhat excited that you might know the answer. I had Kurt Warner as the guy. Kurt Warner as the guy for Aldrin. JB? I I went in a completely different direction and I'm feeling incredibly less confident about it. Rob, I've chosen to go with Cooper Rush of the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) Very different. Um, Very different indeed. Um, One of you has the correct answer. And my laughter should be in no way an indication of who that might be. Um, the player with the best passer rating through the first five starts in an NFL career is indeed Kurt Warner. Um, yeah. Actually, very nearly um, kind of compared him as a rookie, but he had one start the previous season before. So his first five starts were one start followed by the first four games of what would it be, the 99 season? where him and that um, incredible Mike Mart's offense took off and he took the Rams all the way to a Super Bowl victory. So yeah, Kurt Warner is the correct answer. Um, possibly one of my favorite Cardinals of all time. So lovely to get a mention for dear Kurt. Um, but yeah, if that's our quiz question done, JB, why don't you tell everyone about the final standings in our Pick'em League? And a little birdie tells me, that actually I ended up delivering um, a pretty, how would I describe it? Um, I rallied, I think is the phrase I would use, um, even though I've probably long since been out of our overall competition. 
yes, Rob put his bit in, did his job for the narrative, because not only did this come down to the final uh, final week in terms of deciding our champion, it came down to the final game. So heading into this week, JB had six, Aldrin had six, PB had four, Rob had one. So it was all about who came out of this one. If Aldrin or I won, we win outright. If Rob or Phil win, it came down to who had the better record out of Aldrin and I overall. It came down to the tiebreaker of Lions Packers score. Aldrin and PB both tied with nine and seven. Rob and JB tied with a 12 and four. And with a Sunday night football prediction of the final score being 21-17 in a 2016 game, taking the win and keeping, uh, I'll say, say keeping the trophy in the family, the regular season trophy in the family, I am indeed somehow your champion for the regular season this year. And I have made some God awful picks this season, so I'm not entirely sure how it happened. Picks, boo! <laughs> yeah, not that you milked it either. I'm not sure how I only won one week. I wonder how far I am behind if you add up all of our picks through the year, because I had some pretty competitive weeks, but it was, um, yeah, it looked pretty good, but but no cigar uh, for me. But then, as JB has just said, our regular season competition concludes, which means our playoff competition begins and I'm feeling pretty good about my picks going into this week. I think they are very, very similar to a lot of yours. Like I said, I think there's some pretty predictable games. Um, maybe I'll be made to eat those words in a few days' time. But um, but yeah, maybe my time to shine is playoff football. Maybe I am the pick'em equivalent of playoff Lenny. Maybe I, this I, is... Sorry, if you're interested, I have just done, with the with the assistance of Google uh, Google Sheets, other Excel-based spreadsheets are available. I have done, I have done the maths. Go on, go on. Um, so, Rob. Yeah. You finished with a total of 152 correct, 111 incorrect. Seems all right. PB was... 159 correct, 105 incorrect. Aldrin was 164 correct, 97 incorrect. And JB was 160, 106 incorrect. Meaning if you had won this week, Aldrin would have taken the crown. Two problems with that. Firstly, I'm pretty sure you refer to yourself there in the third person. I do. Um, and secondly, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit when we let you do all the maths for this stuff that you just incredibly seem to come out so well in all these things. What was what the, the, the maths mm. I just did had me losing? Yeah, well, well yeah, yeah, I mean, it just, just adds to your mystique, personally, I think. But um, but good job, JP. It just adds to the mystery of how James has won. It's, there's no fix yeah. involved. But yeah, there you sure. go. Definitely no fix involved. We'll we'll go back and look at those numbers um, in the off-season when we've got time to do so. But thank you, everyone, for joining us for our Wildcard Weekend podcast bonanza. Um, do you know what? To, to round out, um, I'm going to ask you this. 
Um, if you had to pick a Super Bowl winner right now, who would it be? Aldrin, are you sticking with your 49ers that you I picked have to before stick the with season? The You're sticking 49ers. And, right. and do you know what? Everything I've seen from the year has only validated it more that I think they're going to be a real right. stellar team to beat. Okay, 49ers for Aldrin. JB? Uh, I believe I will be going for the San City Bills. You can't pick them apart. There's not Boo, one that stands fix. out. He'll, 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 he'll edit he'll it all fix together and he'll pick the one. He yeah. ah. no, no, I, can't, I can't call it between those three at the moment. Well, well, I went for the Vikings before the season. I remember you all laughing at me merrily. They're still in the mix and have won some big games this season. I'm not counting them out entirely. I do think the Chiefs look great, though. I know you said they don't look particularly amazing, but I think they Oh, I don't absolutely... think they need to look amazing, though. They're just clinical. They yeah, do exactly they, what they, they need just to do look. to win. Yeah, and I just think Kelsey is just such a a big game player. Mahomes such a big game player. Yeah, I'm going to go Not even Chiefs. that. I just think the Spags defense just always gets better as better seasons go year. on. Yeah. So yeah, as they get to the playoffs, agree. they're looking real strong. They they don't look the Achilles heel they've looked in previous years, do they? I mean, I do think he's done a, a great job there. I think you're absolutely right. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go for the Chiefs. So we'll see how well those uh, predictions age over the coming weeks. But um, yeah, thank you for joining us in Listenland. Remember, you can follow our various picks and get more information about us on our various social channels. And want to get in touch, you can always email us at clubdubpod podcast at mail.com but for now thank you everybody for listening thank you gentlemen for your company and let's get back together in a week and do it all again thanks rob thanks a lot this is amazing remember to subscribe and be cool. Tell your friends. They 